0: The only
1: difficult thing with going to be in queue is getting a sheet of 8x4 hardboard home strapped
0: to the top of your car. <laughs> I know, I can imagine. Welcome to episode three of Art Juice, behind the scenes conversations about making art and the creative life with me, Louise Fletcher. And me, Alice Sheridan. Today we're going to be talking studio space and motivation. First, our regular what have you been working on segment. So, Alice, what have you been up to this week? I
1: have been having a studio tidy up. So maybe twice a year. I feel this urge that I want to have a clearing out of my space. And it just sort of sets the scene for new ideas to come in. So, as well as doing it and folding my socks and obsessively watching Marie Kondo on Netflix, (laughs) which I don't always find that helpful. But I have been writing a blog post about it. One of the things from last year that I most regret actually was not keeping up with um, my creative journey on my website. And so writing more regular blog posts is something I really want to do. So I thought I would kick off with this one, but it did turn into rather an epic blog post. (laughs) 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 I've been spending a lot of time uh, writing and trying to organise my thoughts into something that makes some kind of sense and might be helpful for other people to read kind of goes through how she approaches tidying and clearing and how I have tried to approach it to studio space and some of it fits and makes sense and some of it I use my own variation on so that that's why I was trying to make it into something that would be helpful for other people perhaps because I think it's one of the things that she has which does make total sense is that she has sentimental items right at the end of what she deals with because it's hardest for us to get our heads around and to be um, objective about and I think that all comes together in a studio creative working space because we are emotionally involved with all the stuff that's in there so that makes total sense for me but and it also we have to think about that in terms of how we manage to let go of things ultimately so we're creating the kind of space that works for us now so that's what i've been thinking about all week and you
0: i've been um really working on marketing um trying to to really think about marketing and selling my work and that's taken all sorts of forms. Um, I've always been very good at marketing any kind of business I have. I run a course and I market that very well, but I'm terrible at marketing my own work. Um, like lots of artists, I'm sure. So I am putting together an action plan because I have a show coming up in five weeks locally. There's all sorts of practical things like getting business cards, new business cards, and printing up some leaflets so that people have something to take away, but also really diving into how I might sell my work going forward because I want to do it myself. I I don't want to go through galleries and I don't want to go through art fairs. So if I'm going to do it myself, I need a kind of structured plan. So that's what I've been doing. And it's a bit like pulling teeth just because as for some reason, marketing my own artwork seems to be much more difficult for me than anything else
1: i think because it's uh, we're so closely involved i mean it's almost like you need an art buddy and we can market each other's work because and yeah. I, I i see this actually at art fairs if if somebody takes a break and they go and get lunch and there's somebody else at their stand it's so much easier to talk up somebody else's work with a prospective buyer because yeah. You don't feel like you're you're you know putting yourself on a pedestal. You know sometimes we tend to just be a little bit hesitant about the words that we use about ourselves. I mean it's been drilled into us for so long, hasn't it? Not to blow your own trumpet.
0: Yes, I think that that's it, isn't it? It's that idea of well, who do I think I am? Um, putting this out there and telling you to and asking you to look at it or asking you to buy it or asking you. In my case, I'm setting up a process where people can come and visit me here by appointment and come and see my studio and come into my house or have an area where everything will be hanging, it just feels, come and see my work, it's like you feel like that, I feel like that little kid in primary school going, look what I did, look what I did.
1: <laughs> that is what we have to do.
0: Yes. Um, and I, and it, I think it's so interesting that that I can do it so easily in other areas of my life and I find it so difficult in this area. But I am pushing on, and this week um, I'm diving into the world of Facebook advertising with an expert who's going to be, originally she was going to teach me how to do it, and then I spoke to somebody very wise who asked me if I really wanted to spend my time learning all about Facebook ads, or was I just doing that to be practical and save money? And I said, oh, definitely practical and save money, and she said, well, that doesn't make any sense. And having thought about it, it doesn't. So this person is going to actually do Facebook advertising for me. So oh, you that, see, you
1: see, I would want to know all the oh, all the cogs and whirring parts.
0: Well, I did initially. <laughs> I, that's exactly my thought process. I thought I want control of this because knowledge is power, and I will have all this knowledge. And but then I thought, what would I be happiest doing?
1: Yeah.
0: And I won't be happiest doing that it'll feel like another stressful thing in my life on top of everything else. And it will take me away from painting. So I'm giving it a try. She said, I can always go back and she would always teach me if I decide to go that direction. But for now, she's going to do it for me.
1: And I think, you know, maybe there's a way where you, I mean, all of these things you have to test and then see how it works. Maybe at that point, as long as you can have a look and understand, I think the things that I like to avoid are the, situations where you feel your understanding is so low that when you look at something you want to put your head in your hands and kind of run away shaking yeah <laughs> you don't understand it at all whereas if she's doing the the work to set it all up and you can take a look and say yeah I can see that's working the way I want it to whereas this one isn't yes and you're not maybe you can even make some adjustments yourself further down the line
0: yeah um yeah, yep. and we're doing the strategy all together, so that should be interesting. Um, so anyway, I'm looking forward to that. It's it's something other than what I've been doing. So that we sounds have, like neither of us have been doing any painting. <laughs> after a have. little bit, <laughs> yeah, we have, we but, have. <laughs> but we think it'd be boring every week to say. Yes, I painted a green one today. <laughs> So we thought, speaking of painting, that it would be interesting to to talk a little bit about studio space. And when we say studio space, this can range from the corner of a desk, which is what I used to work on, to a massive rented warehouse with white walls and high ceilings.
1: Yeah, that would be nice, wouldn't it?
0: Yeah, or my particular dream, which is a, a big old stone barn with massive high roof and beams and loads of room to make a mess and then part of it all turned into a gallery space not that I've thought about this but so when we talk about studio space we're really talking about wherever you make your art. so Alice where do you work? I work at home so we
1: have um, a bedroom right at the top of the house and it was it was never um, a spare bedroom with a bed in it but it was set up as a study space. So there is a big desk up there that my husband and I built and this was coming. I think the idea was that that was maybe when I was, would be going back to doing graphic design. Um, so we needed a desk space, but because there was other room in there, it pretty quickly became a dumping ground. Um, We're talking. We're going back a few years now, but that was the only that was spare space in the house that wasn't used for anything else. So that's where I very first started working. But it was amid a lot of other clutter, and it you know it didn't set off start out being a studio space. It was just a workspace, and I couldn't call it a studio space for years.
0: Yeah, (laughs) that's a big one, isn't it? Yeah. So how how did it evolve from room with clutter that you're doing a bit in to? studio
1: slowly 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 I think the first thing that I did was realize that I wanted a desk space that I could make mess on and I went to um, B&Q and bought a length of kitchen worktop and set that up on the other side of the room and so I had a desk space and a clear wall in front of me that I could pin things to while I was working but you know those um Worktop spaces are only sixty centimeters deep and it's not very deep when you're working on anything larger than almost A3 size. You haven't really got a lot of space to lay things out in front of you or around the work. So that was I remember being quite frustrated and also I was sitting looking at a wall, which even if it's a wall with your own things on, it I don't know, maybe it, it felt like a traditional officey type of workspace rather than a creative space so that never felt right but it stayed that way I would say for about um a year and a half and I I don't get on very
0: well with easels do you like working on easels no I don't they always I always knock them over
1: yeah or trip over the feet and I've tried buying different easels that have different feet and I still trip over them and I don't like the wobble yeah things things kind of bounce a bit on an easel i mean maybe when you get those really really solid heavy big you know ones that have two big arms going up um but i'm also a little bit limited by ceiling height as well so the 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 top of the easel which extends up i was always banging it into the ceiling and breaking the light bulbs so that didn't work very well (laughs) Um, And the next thing I did then was to go back to B&Q and buy a huge, great big sheet of eight by four hardboard board. And I propped that up on some cupboards that I got from Ikea and I turned it around so that it wasn't in front of a wall. It was L shape against the wall. Right. So I had space that I could put things that visually I wanted to refer to on one side, but I was no longer... I was facing a little bit more out of the window and I had this big space, table space that I could spread out on. And I enjoyed working on that for a long time. That was that was an easy, an easy, cheap way of extending your working area without buying any new furniture.
0: Yeah. So that would be a great tip. Yeah, you're quite handy by the sounds of it. You're going to be in queue and buying things. I, I yeah, the, diff- the only that.
1: difficult thing with going to be in queue is getting a sheet of eight by four hardboard homes strapped to the top of your car. <laughs> yeah, I know, I can imagine. <laughs> yeah, you need to find a friend with a van or, or I wonder <laughs> if possibly they deliver now. Often timber yards will deliver. So if you find a timber yard that's close to you, you know, even if they're used to doing trade deliveries, right? You know, um, they're usually delivering locally every day. Um, so they will often bring you things like that.
0: And for people who are not in England, B and Q is like Home Depot in America. It's big hardware store where yeah. you can buy all that stuff.
1: Lovely, and all sorts of lovely other art materials too. It has to be said. Never let me loose in B and Q.
0: Well, I go to B. I go to our look. We have a, a, a local hand, hardware store that's privately owned, and I go there with a friend of mine who's a builder sometimes to get stuff. And he just rolls his eyes at me because I'm buying like trowels and sponges and all sorts of tools, but he knows I'm just going to cover them in pain and ruin them. <laughs> it's not actually to be used the way they're supposed to be used.
1: And you work at home as well, don't you?
0: Yeah. So my space is when I first started, I returned to art about six years ago and I had the tiniest little room in our house. Uh, it's it literally a closet room it had a desk in it because the previous owners put a desk in and I could just about move around in there. It was tiny. It was ridiculous. And over the garage, there is an entire room built over the garage. that The previous owners have put here with a bathroom in it. But for, for the first few years that I lived here, it was set up as a guest room. Mm. We only have guests about three or four times a year who need to stay. What is it, it with uh, guest rooms?
1: I, know, I mean... I don't know whether it's just because we tell when we're if you're buying a family house you have it and automatically you put a bed in
0: it I know and we already have a spare rooms in the house we have we have a spare bedroom so it was stupid but it was a lovely what I loved about it actually to be fair was when guests came they were out of our house and over here Okay. and I did like that but my brother-in-law is a musician in his spare time he kept saying why do we use that to paint in? it's a brilliant space oh well because it's a guest room anyway I slowly edged my way in here and just like you so uh first I put a table in and um moved the bed to one side and put a dust cloth over it yeah. and then I said oh maybe I could get a sofa bed so I dismantled the bed and then we bought a sofa bed so that it gave me more room and then I've just gradually taken it over and now people don't really want to stay in here very often <laughs> no.
1: but that's also an interesting point having somewhere and, and I this this is a double-edged thing having somewhere comfortable to sit in your working space I mean I don't have a sofa bed I I have a lovely little chair that was from a rental flat that I had oh 25 years ago and it's an old Victorian nursing chair so it's very low down and it's got lovely low down wooden arms and I've just kind of made some seat cushions for it and it's a, it's very relaxing without taking up a lot of space and I think it's really important to have somewhere where you can sit down comfortably and sit back from your work if you've got the space to do that but potentially it's a bit of a magnet as well. It's, you know, it's there, sit in me, (laughs) take a step back. Um, Yeah, sometimes I think I might be a little bit more, more productive if I didn't have a comfortable chair, but having a comfortable chair or sofa is, is a great thing to have for looking at books or reading or writing or all sorts of things.
0: Yeah, well, I, I just, I must admit, because don't you think we always want bigger space because now I'm looking at this sofa thinking if I could get that out of there I'd have even more space I I don't think we we never have enough space we ne we
1: never I think it's like it's like gas you know we just it expands to fit whatever we've got and yes I was thinking about this this week when I was working because now I have I got rid of the big table and that big sheet of hardboard I moved just onto the floor it's a strange room because the floor level is split a bit and when we moved into the house we couldn't level it out it was one of those building costs that was just too much so part of the room is up on a higher level but it was all carpeted and as I say because I started using it gradually the carpet is now wrecked and the main working space I have um hardwood on the floor that I've just painted it's not fixed it's loose sheets of hard hardboard Right. there's a little bit of give in it, which I really like because it just softens your feet and where the door opens in the room, if I'd put the hardboard there, the door wouldn't have opened. So there's a bit that is still carpet. It's not very pretty looking, but again, it's terribly practical because sometimes I like to work sitting on the floor so I can almost sit on the carpeted area and it's a bit more comfortable and work directly on the floor, on these big hardboard sheets in front of me. And it's like the desk is the entire floor space. So you can imagine what kind of mess that creates. But having a space that's flexible, and what I've really realized is changing your space fairly regularly, and making sure that it suits your work is really important. And what yeah. I'm struggling with at the moment is I have a little trolley that actually I found on the street, an old kitchen trolley, and it's got a sheet of glass on the top, and that contains all my paints. And having done this big tidy up, and then, you know, it felt lovely, it looked lovely, and of course, then I started working, and very quickly everything becomes messy, and I literally just drop things.
0: Yes, yes I I
1: and I thought do I need to have a bigger painting trolley would that help and I just thought all it will do is give me a bigger space that will become a bigger mess whereas what happens now is the surface of the painting trolley becomes a muddle and then I have to tidy it up a little bit but it's probably quite a good break because by that stage I'm probably at the stage where the palette needs refreshing I need to clear out some junky bits of rag and things that have become totally paint encrusted
0: so <laughs> sounds just like mine well my uh, my neighbor's 11 years old and he's very tidy for an 11 year old and he came in here the other day and I, I wasn't here he was with my husband and he and he went around screwing all the tops onto my paint properly <laughs> I use like tubs and I just put them on slightly so it doesn't dry out but not screw them on because they get stuck so I came into work the next day and I just was like, I know Morgan's been here because I can't get the tops off anything.
1: Oh, and
0: maybe. when I saw him, he said, why do you leave all the tops off all your paint? I was like, because <laughs> then I can't get them off. So I was soaking them in hot water. So yeah, mine is an absolute pigsty and same thing. I got some, a friend gave me an old piece of carpet to put down in here cause it's got hardwood floors. And I said, oh, it's got a stain on it. And now, <laughs> I don't even know where that original stain was. And it's only been in here about a month. I don't think you can make anything decent without making a mess. No, you have
1: to get over, You have to get over that. And I think, you know, when I first started working at home, I think my husband kind of said, well, you know, you'll wreck the carpet. And I was like, well, that doesn't matter.
0: Yeah, it's just a carpet.
1: <laughs> because, you know, it, when it comes to the stage, if we need to move you know then we'll change things in there anyway yeah I have a little secret we, we, we have we have a downstairs sitting room which we didn't used to use very often it's quite a cold room but because I'm on the top floor everything including big heavy wooden panels has to go up two flights with turns in stairs and it's I did think, I did wonder at one point, I wonder if I can persuade the rest of the family to let me take over the sitting room and use that as a studio. But I must, I've never actually voiced that because I think Nat is probably pushing it too far. And I've been in that room. It's a nice room. It is, now, it is now. It's no longer white. When it was off-white, this is a really interesting thing about colour. When it was off-white, it didn't work at all. It was a really nice, soft colour. But yeah. since we've painted it this super dark, lovely inky blue, it's a lovely room.
0: But I mean, I I see you, I was thinking a lovely room to paint in. I was encouraging (laughs) you. It's got that big window and lots of space. (laughs) The light goes though, as
1: soon as the sun goes round, it gets quite dark and gloomy. Well, this is one thing. Because it's in the attic, I've got an east facing and a west facing kind of skylight.
0: Yeah, you've got nice light. I've got terrible light in winter because it's over the garage and it's a barn Uh, we live in a converted barn and so there's restrictions on what could have been done when it was built so it's got very small windows all along my studio and then it's got one skylight and it's fine in summer but it's dark in winter.
1: Okay so that's the point so we've talked about creating cheap desk space, um, deciding when you're ready to give up desk space because you'd rather have Mm. um, you know more room to work in and flooring i think there are lots of tips for flooring lots of people i know use those foam pads to stand on um oh, right. you know the ones that you often have at nursery schools that they click to get together like giant yes. jigsaw pieces i yeah. would have to paint it i couldn't cope with those colors yeah in my visual space but i think for something to walk on that would be a great alternative lighting is another huge thing particularly yes. in the winter
0: I have made changes to my lighting that are absolutely fantastic for painting. And it's just, it's changed everything for me. I had my friend who's handy fit an LED fluorescent strip across, above my painting wall. Um, Cause I paint on a, a wall with nails for the boards to hang.
1: Yeah. And, this,
0: and this thing, he, he put some wood in front of it to shield it, my eyes, but it lights up that wall perfectly and it and I also bought these amazing lights that he told me about for that plasterers use because when people are plastering walls they have to have minimal shadow otherwise they can't see if it's smooth so they make these lights which look like giant lightsabers on legs um they're like round tubes and because the light I guess because it goes 360 degrees you don't get as much shadow So I have a couple of those and between those things the light in here now is amazing even at night. Um, I don't suppose it's pure daylight light but the the strip I got was the closest I could get to daylight. I think it's like 4,000 lumens. Yeah Um,
1: so now you're getting really technical.
0: (laughs) Well I I looked it up and uh, other artists have written on Google about what kind of light you need and four thousand lumens whatever lumens are is around between four and five thousand is apparently daylight I don't know if it is but that's what people were saying so that's what I went for but I do find I have brilliant light they
1: sound great those plasterers things
0: they are amazing however when it came see I filmed myself painting for this course that I'm teaching and they're absolutely hopeless for filming they have flicker they are flicker and the one above the painting wall, I have to turn it off because for some reason it makes it all look really dark, even though it isn't dark in real life.
1: It's because it's relative. that That's the dark thing, that whenever you have anything that you're trying to film, unless that's the entirety of what you're filming. So because the light will be so directed onto your painting wall, if you have yeah. anything else within the frame that is the dark space, it will you'll get that really high contrast thing. It doesn't work. Yeah, that
0: makes sense. So I'm still struggling with that. I mean, I watch these people, before we get off this subject of studios, because there will be people listening who live in the US or Canada and have these gigantic spaces that are available there. Envy, Um, envy, studio envy. We totally envy, because I look at them and they've got not only tons of space, but they've got light and... And I know how cheap space is in lots of parts of America, not in California, not in New York, but in large swathes of that country. It's just space is inexpensive because there's so much of it and they probably don't understand what we're even talking about (laughs) because there's no space here.
1: But I think that, I mean, that's a thing that I find in London. I mean, I spent a long time last year investigating because I felt I was ready for outside studio space. Mm. And I spent a long time getting on websites, paying to become members of things, going out, visiting studios, looking at what was available. And it's, it's really tough in London. And it's a flip side between, you know, London is a really lovely, exciting place to live. I'm not right in central London it's the you know the flip side is there isn't a lot of space that's available to use so studio hire was pretty expensive and you know what i would get for a fairly significant chunk of money was no bigger than the working space i had at home i didn't have the home comforts and the practicalities of being at home i would have lost a lot of time in travel time at the moment, you know, my children are older. Often they come home, but I'm still here, but I can carry on working. So there's a huge amount of flexibility that comes with that. There was one space that I looked at. It had no natural light at all. It was all overhead strip lights, no window. They said it was freezing cold in the winter and boiling hot in the summer because it had a tin roof. Yeah, And at the end of it all, I actually just decided that I was just going to make peace with the fact that I was working at home and do whatever I could to make my space work for me. And this is why I think I've revisited it regularly. And I regularly look at what I have in there and think, does this need to be in this room? Is there anywhere else within my house that I can store this thing um, that's more appropriate so that the space that i've got and i know that i'm lucky to have a whole room many 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 people work from their kitchen table and they use um, a cupboard that they have in their room for their storage and there are all sorts of things that you can do that make making storage i find trays very useful for this and this is what i do if i'm on holiday and i I have a kind of shared table area to work i will use a, a tray to keep all my art materials on and then right. I can move it really quickly and easily on and off the table. Yeah. When we need to clear away for meals or something. So, I mean, maybe even those tray storages that you get in, you know, self service restaurants and you have to kind of clear your own tray away, like at IKEA yes. and that kind of thing. Yeah. You could almost we're back to being Q, make something. <laughs> yeah <laughs> had cupboard doors with if you handy like Alice's yeah. with little sliding slots that you had trays that you could take out for each individual work project that you were working. I love
0: making things like that no oh, I'm I'm absolutely app- I love thinking of things like that and then it just my brain just shuts down if I think about actually how they would get made well then I call my friend and say could you make me I actually made a painting trolley for my studio after I saw yours yeah but Um, But it's made out of two tool chests um, from Screwfix or somewhere. So it's like manly tool chests. But they're absolutely amazing because they have drawers in them and a cupboard area. And so my friend put two of them together, put casters on them, put a top on it, and turned it into this table that I can wheel around. But also I got all this extra storage. And that came from what you're saying of how where can I put all this stuff? Yeah that it's also useful for me
1: and it would be really nice i think they're going to be pretty rubbishy photographs but if we could share these on notes for this podcast so people can see um and maybe we can add more i mean i've also used the eve storage and i've made flat paper storage that I just did with um, pieces of MDF that go under this old desk that I no longer used. And that kind of thing makes a huge difference in terms of getting what you're not using and what you do need to sort out of the way so that you've got more space for the kind of
0: work that you do want to do. I have one other question for you, going back to your Marie Kondo. So when you were going through Tidying Up the Studio, yeah, found you presumably had lots of older work or did you discard artwork did you keep everything
1: this time i didn't have to do that because previously i did that big time yeah did you yeah i think this is a long conversation that we should have another time Hmm. rather than going into now okay at the moment all i will say is yes i discarded work
0: okay because i have a big pile so when you're ready for that conversation let me know okay we're going to move on from studio space, but if you would like to show us your space and share it with us, you can, we'll tell you at the end where you can find us online and you can share pictures. We'd love to see. So every week we end with a question, uh, which we have either had from listeners or from people visit who visit the groups that we run on Facebook. And this question is a really good one which is how do I stay motivated when I don't have a deadline? Yeah, this is tough. So um, I'm going to let you start this one, Alice, because I don't think I really have this problem. Um, So you tell me what you think, and then I'll say why I don't have a problem with it. Okay.
1: I'm going to start with a bit of a story about this, um, about why I think it is a problem. A few years back, my daughter wanted to learn piano and I thought she'd be more likely to do it if she had somebody alongside her. Plus, we wanted to get somebody coming to the house rather than her doing it at school. And that made more sense if there were two of us. So we both started learning to play the piano. Um, After a year or so, she gave up. I kept going because I was really enjoying the process of learning as an adult and learning from somebody who I felt that I could ask questions on, and if there was something that wasn't working, we could work out a new way of doing it. It was great, and I was loving it. And I was practicing really regularly, I was practicing maybe an hour and a half every day. And this was a few years ago when I was also trying to get my art going. And I suddenly realized that I was spending too much time playing piano rather than going up to my studio to work. And the reason why was that the piano music was laid out for me. Somebody else had written it. There it was. I knew what I had to practice. I had exercises that I could do. And there was the piece of music in front of me that I was learning how to master. Whereas up in my studio, you have to make up all those parameters for yourself. You have got to set what it is that you want to do. And The world is your oyster on that. There are so many things that you could choose to do within art as this huge, great, big bubble. And I think, therefore, it can be very difficult to find a focus to get that motivation from, to give yourself something to actually begin with, because it becomes too big and you don't know
0: where to start. And and I know that's true because I've heard that from people who were completely blocked and the reason they feel blocked often seems to be that I don't know where to start. And on my Facebook group a while ago, I gave people a, a quick, easy, fun exercise to do to get started when you don't know what you want to make. And it's been amazing the reaction to that. How many people have said that they've got started again just from that? Yeah. So I get what you're saying completely.
1: And then it goes on from there. There's the the kind of getting started in it. And then then you hit a bigger thing, which is, you know, what am I doing this for? And I love what I, I mean, I do work well to deadlines. I know I do. And that's why I regularly have things in my diary and in my calendar that I'm working towards. Because I just know that that's going to give me the boost sometimes that I need to get started. Once I'm working... I love it. Of course I do. Otherwise I wouldn't be doing it. But you know, I still have this thing of having little tricks to get you started. So how to get motivated when you don't have a deadline. I think often it's because you're stuck in a bit of a rut, perhaps. Yeah. So you feel like you're doing things as a bit of an automaton. And that's kind of where I am with my work at the moment now. I feel like I've been working in a similar way. I know how to resolve things to my, for myself. And, and it's a difficult thing because you don't know yet what it is that you want to create if it's going to be something that's new for you. So the only way to get that motivation at that point is to give yourself a little bit of a mini project. And I've done that in the past by setting myself some color projects to work on. And this time I'm going to be investigating jelly plate printing, which I know so many people love and have a lot of fun with. So that's my motivation for getting me started is something else that I'm learning. But if you don't have a deadline, you have to get involved in the process of doing it itself, I think.
0: I, I think that's that's what I was thinking. And perhaps why I don't have this problem is that the process for me is so much fun. And actually deadlines are very difficult for me because I am all about messing about probably too much um, and not making a lot of headway. So if I have a deadline, as I do at the moment, it starts to feel a bit heavy and stressful. But for most of the time, this is like the what this room here where I am now is the one place in my life where I have absolute freedom to do whatever I want, and the feeling of putting paint onto anything is so good that I never have a problem being motivated but I'm thinking as I'm listening to you talking that is because I'm fortunate enough to not have to generate income from this on a regular basis number one um and I and I just I don't enjoy the pressure of producing work I just enjoy the process of it evolving until at some point some of it turns into something that I love and some of it never does if, does
1: it frustrate you if it never turns into something
0: yeah to some extent it does Um, I've got a pile there in the corner, but I just tend not to look at them. Um, But no, because there's actually always something fun going on somewhere. So I have some unresolved ones, but I have one that I've nearly finished that I love. And that's really exciting. So no, it doesn't. Um, But I think it comes back to what you said. It's if you can find the fun in exploration then you, you don't need, you don't have to motivate yourself because it's fun. Yeah. So
1: it's more about looking at, you know, if, if I don't have a motivation without a deadline, it's understanding why has the motivation gone? So exactly. yes, it could be because you're under pressure. Now that could work well for you in terms of having a little bit of pressure to go and do something and not, not put it yeah. off. Because when we know we've got to produce something at the end of it, That is a bit scary. That that's a kind of difficult situation to be in creatively. And for some people it works. But if you're not motivated at all, it's because you're doing the wrong thing, isn't it?
0: Yes, that's because I was just thinking, I've got something in my diary, in my planner that I've had on there for about four weeks, which is to finish my finance spreadsheet (laughs) of all my expenses and all my income. And it's been on there for four weeks and I keep moving it to the following week. And the reason is I hate working out finding bits of invoices and adding them all into a spreadsheet I don't like doing it so I think that's what it comes down to and too often we get ourselves stuck into a rut of what we have to do instead of enjoying something just for the sake of it which it sounds like you're about to do with your jelly plate printing and other things it's to make it fun so you can't wait to go back in do more because it's just enjoyable and even when I leave here having done nothing good I've still had a really good time. It's not the most productive way to work though.
1: So like, is there is there a place, because I know for, I've got a lot of friends who are writers and you know, a lot, a lot subscribe to the, was it Stephen King, you know, and, and lots of writers actually, you know, they, they have a very rigorous timetable, you know, for their day, you know, get yeah. up, have coffee at my desk by 7am, two hours of writing by 9am, have a break, you know, work all morning, stop for yeah. the day yeah um and, and some even do it on a, i will keep going until i've written fifteen thousand words and then i stop and there are often interesting similarities between writers and painters and i'm endlessly fascinated can we work art in the same way and i i have a system of sort of allocating studio hours when yeah. i first started wanting to be a bit more aware of it i looked at um how many paintings i wanted to do and i realized that that was totally the wrong focus because it was focused on output yeah and that that would be putting myself in a really not the right frame of mind at all which is why i switched it to just spending time in a creative in that in my creative space but giving myself almost like a timetable so that i didn't i could i took away that indecision moment of shall I go and paint now or shall I walk the dog yeah and then the motivation comes when you're in the space even if you start by having a bit of a tidy up or looking through old sketchbooks there'll be something in there that gets you going again
0: I think that's one of the key things I got last year I finally registered with me is um little and often I don't set, like, I don't do that, right, I'm going to go in for three hours every morning at this time because it doesn't work that way for me. But I do try and come in here every day and do something. And if I only have 15 minutes, I'll come in for 15 minutes. Now, I know if you don't have your own dedicated space, that's much harder. By the time you've got everything out, it's time to put it away again. But because I'm lucky enough to have this space, you can achieve something in 15 minutes. Um, and you can feel like you've moved things forward. And if you tell you, if you are suffering from struggling with motivation because there's some resistance there, maybe telling yourself, "I'm only going for fifteen minutes," makes it easier. And then when you're in there, you might get carried away anyway.
1: And of course, that's where things like sketchbooks come in. Yes. Or, or even bringing some of you know, making sure that you've got some of your creative world in your real life world. So, you know, your 15 minutes could be making sure that you've got a really fantastic art book knocking around in the house, you know, not just sitting on the shelf, get it out, open the pages up, make sure you're actually going to read the introduction or the stage of that artist's life when he was struggling with something that resonates with you at the moment. Yeah. You know, that, that can be a really, a lovely way of reacquainting yourself without feeling like you're under pressure to make something when that feels like too much
0: yes I think that pressure to to make something I always call it the rush for results is one of the key things that stops people it's this I I, I ran a course and some people were new painters who've not even really painted before and they were like oh but I'm not finishing a painting well you've only just got started so you wouldn't start Uh, plan for a marathon to run a marathon and expect to run 26 miles on the first day you might go for a walk on the first day then you might walk faster on the second day and eventually you'd get to 26 miles um but if you feel like you must make something brilliant every time you go pain that's a big buzzkill and then you won't want to go in no you very rarely will make something brilliant
1: yeah which i mean there's a whole other question here which is when you do have deadlines and you you have to create to a deadline Mm-mm. how you manage that you know whether you've got a show coming up um but
0: maybe that's something we can come yes. back to another day too yes and you can give me some advice <laughs> i think you're doing pretty good okay well i think that's it from us for this episode um i hope you've enjoyed it as much as we have you can subscribe to this podcast you can find it on either Sheridancom or louisefletcherart.com you can also find either of us on facebook by just searching our names and alice has a facebook group art explorers i have a facebook group called this painting life so we'd love to see you anywhere on social media we'd love to hear from you if you have questions and um we will address them in future episodes. So thank you Alice. It's been lovely. Thank you
1: Louise, nice to talk.
0: Talk to you again soon. Bye. Bye bye. Sorry as I'm gonna sip up tea. So Alice sorry that came out wrong. Well, it's the beginning of the year, so that
1: usually means a little bit um, of, sorry, I'm just, as I said that, I thought, it's not the beginning of the year, is it? (laughs) By the time this goes out, um, ask me again.